The content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Dr. Robert Marshall was one of our featured speakers at last year's Longevity Now conference, and he's going to be taking the stage again this year at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California, Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th, for our upcoming Longevity Now conference, where we're going to be focusing on many, many topics, including anti-aging, longevity, mega-immunity, metabolic function, and weight loss. What we're going to talk about today with Dr. Bob Marshall, who's kindly joining us, is the in-depth relationship between our emotional and physical health. Great to be together with you, Rebecca. So emotions and stress oftentimes have the biggest impact on how we're feeling energy level-wise, our health, and our happiness. Can you talk a little bit about this relationship between the mind and the body? Yes, I think that um, when, when most people think of this, they don't realize that their response to everyday events has a tremendous bearing on the consumption of their nutritional reserves. So, for example, Hans Selye, way back in the 1970s, had a book called Stress Without Distress, and in there he showed that 10 minutes of extreme stress could burn up to 50,000 units of vitamin A, and an hour or two of this stress could deplete nutrient reserves of B vitamins, and much, much more. So our response to events that occur like uh, traffic, like um, uh, uh, stress at work or at home, alters the health and the, the reserve of nutrients and can ultimately in, literally induce illness because of this extraordinary use of our nutrient reserves and perhaps what we would call an inappropriate response to the the stressor that you've experienced. And when we get to a place where our responses reflect the gravity of the event, we can uh, expect a much greater level of health and quality of life. With respect specifically to weight loss, which of course is a big issue that millions of Americans are facing here today, an inability to lose weight or losing weight but not being able to keep it off, how can you explain the emotional component to what's happening there? Well, I, I think we need to just frame the, the degree of difficulty. Right now, according to studies, only 2% of the people who make dietary restriction and do exercise have lasting weight loss. Wow, that's pretty disastrous. And what's the main reason that that is happening? The main reason is that we are uh, in a fear mode regarding our response to weight loss, and there's actually 15 uh, different common resistances that people have to an emotional release that will allow them to lose weight. And so we're going to give you a demonstration 
uh, first of all, we're going to list every one of them, and then we're going to give a demonstration of how we identify which ones affect your life, and then what do you do to eliminate them. That's going to be happening at the Longevity Now conference for all of our listeners out there. So come on to the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th, and Dr. Marshall is going to be taking someone from the audience, maybe you'll be that lucky person, up on stage and helping them figure out what's holding them back from being able to access their potential to experience extraordinary levels of health in general, but also really keep that weight off. Exactly. You you know, Rebecca, that the fat that we carry can induce a chronic inflammatory process, which can be linked to an impaired immune response. So our health, our immunity, and our sense of well-being are all linked to controlling our weight. And imagine one pound of excess body fat can be working against us as little as one pound. So this becomes a really important issue to learn how to manage your weight. And, of course, we're going to stack the deck and not just knock down your fears and the common resistances, but we're also going to find the nutrients that uh, will have the best benefit in terms of lasting weight loss. And we're going to talk a little bit about the basic diet, some simple changes that can be made so that you have a lifetime of healthy weight. Can you talk about some of the contributing factors to inflammation in the body aside from the emotional component? Well, the single biggest and most scary has been, of course, the issue of increased body fat. It's amazing. They have shown that uh, added weight at your stomach called visceral fat can adversely affect about 15 key immune and health factors. Simply the weight being there is one really, really big issue. And in fact, the fat pattern is what I refer to obesity, inflammation, degeneration equals impaired immunity. So you see, we can pick the fats and fat at certain areas of the body is correlated with organ gland issues, and we can we can look at those. And what are the simplest things we can do to alter this? And, of course, we're going to focus on the, the most important nutrients, and then we're going to focus again on the, the issues that are critical to changing that, the behavioral issues, how to combine your food, when to eat what food, so that you're in a situation where it becomes very easy to... I achieve that ideal weight, and most important of all, keep that ideal weight. In your clinic, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen with respect to men and women, some of the patterns that you're noticing emotionally, um, mm-hmm. but also nutritionally in men first and then women? Yes. Well, <laughs> it's a very good question because most of the time when men want to lose weight, it's their spouse that <laughs> wants them to lose the weight. Uh, and so to get them motivated to lose the weight is really a challenge. Whereas for the women, they have a great, uh, a much greater sense of their body and they know that this weight is not working for them. Sometimes you'll see women will have increased weight at the hips or uh, weight at the stomach or breast weight. 
And each of these reflect different organ gland systems in action. And so we obviously, when we see it, we want to focus on support for that organ gland system. So uh, when we do see uh, increased breast weight, whether it's male or female, we immediately are concerned with heart health and the wrong kind of body fat being accumulated. Stomach weight often reflects digestion and what's going on with the adrenal glands, excess stress, poor sleep, whatever is the major factor there. And, of course, weight at the hips uh, is reflective of um, uh, an issue with the gonads, whether it's the uh, ovaries for women or the testicles for men. And so we can, of course, home in on that and make sure that we're helping in that particular area. But when we're talking about overall weight gain and, you know, the whole body is overweight, now we're looking usually at the 15 common resistances. This is where we really get into uh, the fear modicums that drive people to hold on to their weight. They are pretty much, they're very similar for both men and women. That is very, very interesting there. So uh, I think the women come in with a, a much more sense of urgency. They know that the weight should be dealt with. The male does not come in with that typically. What about unresolved issues? Where do we store those in our body? There's two underlying drivers for those. One is uh, now I can love myself, now I can be loved. And most all of the people who grow up in the United States have one or both of those issues uh, as a major underpinning, keeping them from being uh, the, the full person they could be and achieving whatever they're they're capable of. Now, what we see is that, uh, you know, if you've uh, had something that was very, very difficult for the heart, a loss of a love, a loss of a child, they can affect the weight over the whole body, but they tend to affect chest weight more than, than anywhere else. And you'll see these factors, but what I like to do is identify the basic resistance that's keeping them from losing the weight and then identify what keeps them from feeling they can love themselves or be loved. And when we find that, it's usually underpinned by uh, something that's triggering some of the weight, especially ovary or testicular weight. This can often relate to something to do with relationships, and uh, there's many other correlations there. What I, I, I tried to to stay very focused on the things that are very practical and that I can actually show them uh, with a, a very quick kinesiological uh, or muscle test. I can show them that uh, if we were to do this, it's going to have a positive benefit here. There's two things going on. There's the mental component where yep. people are having certain negative emotions that are contributing yep. to ill health in general, but also holding on to weight specifically, yep. and then there's also the physical that is occurring as well. Would you say that the emotional is creating the physical, the physical influences the emotional? What's that delicate balance that's occurring there? There's no question that the um, emotions are the key player for almost everyone. However, as the years go by, the metabolism becomes more and more of an issue, 
And we also have uh, scars and traumas that may be sedating healthy energy flow to a key organ or gland, such as the stomach. And all that does is uh, exacerbate all the the issues with weight. Obviously, there can be a key metabolic issue, but in most cases, that's not the issue. Now, as we hit 50 and 60 and 70, okay, yes, we are definitely shifting to a point where we can't really get the ideal weight without promoting digestion, without promoting uh, healthy hormone balance, no doubt. But a 30, a 20, a 30, even a 40-year-old, usually the major issue is going to be their 15 common resistances, all of which are fear-based. One thing that's coming to mind is thyroid issues that come up. Millions and millions of people are suffering from thyroid. And then there's also um, people who are having to get their thyroids removed. And actually, I know someone recently who told me that it's considered to be the champagne of all cancers, meaning if, if you had to get cancer, thyroid cancer in some respects is the best one to get because you can remove the thyroid and um, there's like a really good recovery rate and compared to other types of cancer, less traumatic to the body. Do you believe that this is true, number one? And number two, what can someone do, because you mentioned trauma, if they have to have something like their thyroid removed from the body, what kind of trauma does that create and what can they do about it? There's no doubt it's a major interference field. And um, we do have to we do have to work to get the energy to freely flow through that area because if we don't, that's on the center line or the governor vessel of the whole body. So over time, it's going to devastate the body. But let's back up a minute. Uh, you know, our culture really doesn't uh, allow ease of access to sea vegetables, which are naturally plant-based, iodine-rich. And if you look at other cultures like Japan, it's breast cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer. It's almost non-existent. But in their diet, they have anywhere from 3 to maybe 5 or 10 milligrams of iodine per day. This is an extraordinarily iodine-rich diet. And uh, it's very clear that most of the thyroid use or thyroid disease problems are occurring later in life, 40, 50, 60. And really, what this is, is 40 or 50 years of deficient iodine intake, getting a supplement or uh, a food that will deliver between 1 and 5 milligrams of iodine as a food, not as some chemical. And I believe that when this is done, uh, and done over the years, uh, it looks to me from examining the Japanese that somewhere around three milligrams is pretty much an ideal amount of iodine. And when using this, I believe the incidence of breast cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, and thyroid deficiency in later life will shift almost to zero. So can this be, if the thyroid isn't working right, can this be a major issue in weight gain? Absolutely. You realize the thyroid gland is responsible for the regulation of oxygen uptake of every cell in your body. So when it is not doing its job, there's low oxygen uptake. This would be like your car not getting enough 
uh, oxygen to burn the gasoline. So you've got this black soot coming out the exhaust, and that black soot is a whole bunch of junk that's jamming your cells and your lymph system. And, of course, you're going to, the body, one of the body's most efficient ways of dealing with poison is to jam it into the the uh, fatty tissue, uh, trap it in the fat. And that's why many people gain weight is to deal with the the pops that they ex- are exposed to. Pops are persistent organic pollutants. This is one of the most efficient ways to trap them. So when we don't have adequate thyroxin, again, the body is going to have this waste that it's got to trap, and it'll use body fat to do that. So many of these things that we're seeing, issues with the ovaries, uh, often uh, the ovaries and the uterus, uh, these responses are uh, 10, 15 years after uh, after a uh, C-section. And now they need a hysterectomy. And the reason is that that um, C-section, the scar, sedated the energy flow to the uterus and the ovaries. And for some reason, our country thinks it's perfectly okay to remove your ovaries and your uterus. And I I think if women were the dominant uh, medical practitioner, it would probably be okay for us men to have our testicles cut off. But since (laughs) the male is dominant... It's not okay to have an orchiectomy. It's only okay to have a hysterectomy. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm not in a fan of either one of those. I think I think they're a, a colossal error in terms of uh, being able to maintain a healthy balance of all the hormones in the body. What about vasectomies, people who are voluntarily getting those as means of birth control? What do you think of them? Well, uh, you know, there's a place in Houston all they do is reversals, and the guy does, I don't know, several thousand per year. And the reason for this is often after about five or eight years, you may be starting to have an immune response to your own semen, some of which is going back in your blood. So I don't think it's good. And even if that didn't happen, we have to be concerned about uh, the fact that um, this is going to uh, be an interference field, a major scar trauma that will ultimately sedate the energy flow to the testicles and perhaps make you uh, uh, somewhat neutered long before your normal time. So you're mentioning this word interference field. Can you speak to our audience a little bit more specifically what you mean by that? Well, the body, as you know, is controlled by a very sophisticated plasma energy field. And this field is woven into the body at the DNA. And when uh, we take a scar or trauma in the body, any trauma, even an airbag, but could become an interference field if it strikes an area of the body hard enough. Whenever there's a scar, three inches or greater, Flickenstein and other medical doctors in Germany have shown 100% of the time it will be an interference field. That means it will block that normal plasma energy flow in the energy field controlling the body. So if it does that, then the body will deliver energy uh, via alternate pathways. However, the organic gland that's being uh, compromised by the interference field will have a, uh, a continuous and uh, unabated decline, slow but 
a steady decline. A good example is a woman has a baby, and uh, she tears rectally to vaginally, and they sew her up. It's called an episiotomy, and everything seems fine. But 20, 30 years later, she has mysterious left leg edema, swelling of her left leg. And a, a medical doctor uh, uses what technology has and gives a diuretic, which further will damage the kidney, but stops the leg swelling for a while. However, if you knew that interference field, you could mud pack it, get the energy to permanently flow through it, give the kidney support for three or four months because it's a very lazy organ, and now suddenly there's no leg edema, no leg swelling, and you can stop. You don't have to take any kidney support. You don't have to do any more mud packs, and it's fixed for good. Wow. That's the power of understanding an interference field and understanding uh, the use of ancient therapeutic muds, which are known biochemically to achieve maximum cation exchange. In other words, nothing on the planet can remove more of the junk that's in the way, blocking the, the energy flow, and put in good nutrients. Wow. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Bob Marshall. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. We look forward to having you at the Longevity Now conference event, which is right around the corner. We have an incredible lineup this year. We have fitness guru Tony Horton, New York Times bestselling author John Robbins, New York Times bestselling author Dr. Sarah Gottfried, the legendary Dr. Hal Huggins, Ron Teagarden, Nadine Artemis, Truth Calkins, Ross Sola, Dr. Dave Wyanarski, who's been on our stage before. So many great people, of course, hosted by David Avocado Wolf. We'll see you there at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California. Have the best day ever, and thank you again for joining us, Dr. Marshall. It was my pleasure. I love talking to you, and I'm glad that I got a chance to interview with you. And I'm looking forward to uh, uh, another great conference. The last year was fabulous, and I know you've got a great array of speakers, so uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing many of them. Thank you again for having me on the interview.